Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, December 5th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. What's up? Bob Ryer. Ciao. And making her triumphant return, Stephanie Cook. Buongiorno. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's been a long time, guys. It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a couple weeks. A couple weeks. Um, How was Italy? It was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, except, <laughs> like, my big thing, as soon as I got there, I was in Florence, and I would look at all these buildings, and I knew all of them from Assassin's Creed. <laughs> and every time I saw them, I was like, shit, like, the footholds and stuff are there. Like, I want to climb these buildings. <laughs> and it, it, it's just, like, one of those things where I'm, like, sitting there thinking how I can climb up these buildings without killing myself and i'm like why why can't i just enjoy this like why (laughs) i have to turn this into a video game i think in fact you couldn't have climbed them without killing yourself so i'm glad you did not attempt it yes i mean best case now you get arrested halfway up the wall before you fell off and killed yourself that's true. I well, I, I'm I'm glad I didn't do it. But, For the record, know. I think that you could have done it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And then when I got to the top of it, instead of climbing down, I would you know do a leap of faith off the building into a hay bale because Assassin's Creed taught, has taught me that that's okay. Yeah, you can no matter how how, how high the building is. Where'd you go? Yeah, <laughs> I will be okay. Yeah. I didn't see a whole lot of hay bales though, so that seemed kind of problematic. That was actually probably the first mm-hmm. and foremost reason why I didn't decide to climb the buildings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd say they're rare in this day and age. Yeah, not a lot of hay bales. It's probably the bottom of huge towers. It's not really a thing anymore. So. Dumpsters, so dumpsters, maybe. Got to look for the manure carts. Everywhere. Yeah, seven years just hiding in like in hay carts where they're pulling them, and she would pull guards into it and assassinate <laughs> them and throw them into wells. It's true. There were wells everywhere, but like there was a ton covered up, and there was guards, and there was horse-drawn carriages, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. I want to be in a video game right now. And beggars were like, give me the money. <laughs> Any loot players? That's how they talk. Yeah. But there were beggars, and they would chase you, and they would like follow you around. And I was like, I don't have money to like throw at you, like Ezio, like <laughs> to throw like gold doubloons at them. <laughs> yes. And then they'd be fine. They'd be oh, okay. he's always such a snot when he does it. He either throws yeah. it on the ground or he throws yeah. it like in their face. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not like you can aim the coins. Mm. Here, who wants this coin? Who wants a coin? Go jump after it. Go, go. <laughs> I don't know. I've got and then Stephanie was just putting white hoods on and blending in with uh, a gr- I, groups of people. The horror. The, I was. I almost bought an Assassin's Creed hood before I had left, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I should have got it. It would have been so perfect." I don't think. I think you know the people in Italy would have been like, "Oh, that game has ruined us." <laughs> <laughs> I even went to um, 
the Assassin's Creed headquarters. I can't say it. Montegirioni or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went there. Where his villa is? Pardon? Where his villa is, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went there and I climbed up the walls and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you helped rebuild the tent. Did you find, you know, Pardon? centuries-old armor buried in a trapdoor? Yes. <laughs> nice. I, they did have an armor museum. Nice. So there was that. And then there was all these... Every time I saw a cross on the door, like the Templar cross, even when I was walking around, I'd be like, oh, Templars! <laughs> <laughs> and it was just kind of awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you really lived in the moment when you were in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. I have all kinds of photos on Facebook and then I think on my Tumblr as well. So if anyone's interested, there's stuff on there. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite place in Italy? Uh, Venice. By far, Venice. Um, I kept, I, everyone kept saying it was underwater and I was Googling stuff and it was supposed to be like 70% underwater mm-hmm. and just flooded. And so I was going to cancel my trip, but Venice will er, cancel my trip to Venice. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, we decided to go anyways, uh, on like one of the last days we were there, just, I was like, whatever, it's my number one place to go in the world. Um, if it's flooded, it's flooded, but at least I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Absolutely. It wasn't flooded and the sun came out and there'd been thunderstorms all week, these crazy thunderstorms and the sun came out and it was this most, the most p- perfect day ever. And I was just like, I need to move here. <laughs> <laughs> need to live in Venice. It was incredible. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Yes. So Assassin's Creed Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's good to have you back. Um, let's uh, jump right in. Well, this week we're going to be talking, uh, when we get to the topic, we're going to be talking about our top five currently working comic book artists right now. Bob and I had a little uh, email back and forth about this. Bob wanted to expand <laughs> the rules to include many other categories, and I decided mm-hmm. we'd just keep it to these these five. Me? Break yeah. the rules? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we'll be going to that. We're going to do our books of the week, obviously. And then, uh, guys, you know, this podcast is coming out on Wednesday, but uh, on Friday you're going to get to hear an interview we did with uh, Mike Allred, uh, which we're really excited for you guys to hear. And then what? Mo- what? Crazy. <laughs> and then Monday, you're going to hear an interview we did with Kelly Sudaconic. What? What? Um, who uh, I think is pretty much our first returning guest. Um, Alan Kistler came back uh, a second time, but I'm um, like, you know, um, you know, comic book maker <laughs> uh, returning guest. So that's pretty awesome. She's great. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. He's too. a comic book man about town. He is a comic These book man about town. You know, artists yeah. and writers. He's, raconteur. He's a raconteur. He's a bon vivant. His hair is amazing. <laughs> it really is. No, I, I met him. You can it. even it's, see it across the internet. He has a crush on his hair. It, I, it's its own thing, man. I swear, it needs its own Twitter account. It's, it's got its own blog, probably. <laughs> no, a lot of people dig it. It's. Uh, it's a, it's a is mighty, that a thing? Is it a thing? It's a mighty quaff. <laughs> awesome. All right. So you know it to be true. <laughs> um, we'll get into all that, but first, let's. Uh, I mean, we've been going over a lot of Marvel now stuff. Um, uh, the one of the Marvel now books is squarely my book of the week, so I, I kind of want don't want to spend too much time um, going over a lot of them. Um, and I think was FF the only new number one this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was right. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll wait to talk about that. Stephanie, have you been reading any of the Marvel Now stuff? I actually just got into it um, this week, so uh, there was a few things I was going to talk about with you guys about them, things that you'd already discussed. Yes. So, um, I read Deadpool. Nice. Um, one and two, and I gotta say, guys, I was a little underwhelmed by it. Oh my goodness! It, oh. Was, it was witty. 
and clever, but I felt like there really wasn't a lot of substance to it. Um, it just felt empty. Like it was, I don't know, just kind of pointless. Like I didn't feel like I would remember any of it later and it just didn't stick with me. It was okay at the moment, but it wasn't something that I would be like, Oh my God, have you read the new Deadpool? It's awesome. It just kind of was like, eh. I mean, I would agree that I don't think it's meant to be. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a book of substance. To have a lot of substance. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's, funny in the moment and for me that's enough but i definitely understand you know what what you're saying about that um yeah, yeah so uh what else have you been checking out um and i think the only other series i mean i picked up a bunch and i started reading just before the show uncanny avengers but i didn't make it through all of it because i had to go watch jeopardy of course um <laughs> but i read uh one and two of thor god of thunder okay um and i actually really enjoyed that so comparatively i'd read deadpool first and um, the story is just like meaty and enjoyable, and um, the art is fantastic. Yeah, that's um, uh, that is true. Yes, yeah, it's it's really great. It's almost kind of like um, it reminds me a bit of Dexter Soy's a bit. Yeah, that's that what I said. Of, it's show. like a painting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I really like issue two a lot. Um, it it definitely uh, it seemed to it 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 changed the focus from bouncing around a lot between the three to kind of focusing down a little bit more. Uh, uh, on a certain period and I think that really actually helped even though I liked the jumping around the first issue getting to like really learn about this one instance that was happening uh, I think was really really cool jumping Uh, around does need to be kind of toned down a bit because even in the second issue it was kind of like what why are you going back and forth just focus on one point in time and stick with it I mean that's the basis of the series though what they're going to be doing is he's going to be jumping around the whole time so I think that if it's if it's hard to get on board with, I don't know if the series is going to end up working for everybody. You know, that's happening in a lot of the Marvel Now books, though. Cap is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, all new X Men, same idea. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. It's absolutely true. Um, and so those are the two you got a chance to read, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, and again, I started reading Uncanny Avengers, and I picked up all the other, at least the number one issues. Uh-huh. Um, but I just haven't had a chance to uh, really get into them. I just got back on Sunday, and I'm just trying to get back on a sleep schedule. <laughs> Well, um, before we break into Books of the Week, I want to ask Bob real quick. We talked about a couple weeks ago when all-new X-Men, when number one came out. Mm-hmm. You said you are going to give it another issue. Another issue has come out. Another issue is coming out yep. this week. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, <laughs> uh, So what did you think of issue two? Uh, meh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go one more. Okay. I want to see the actual meeting of this. Mm-hmm. But it seems as if uh, there's not a whole lot of plot here yet. We're still sort of stretching this out. I... I'm not so certain. I, I can't speak for anybody. The, the I'm not hearing the original X-Men. Mm-hmm. It, it, my, I think he did a great job with Hank, Blue Hank, mm-hmm. first time around. Yeah. Especially considering his, his new transformation to that blue character, which mm-hmm. uh, certainly is going to be distressing, and he's, he's sick. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, hearing Scott, mm-hmm. who, who seems to be the, uh, the point of, you know, derision for everybody here, mm-hmm. is... Right. I don't know. Should he be threatening to blow the beast head off? <laughs> the the Stanley Scott Summers, ne- you have never ever heard that, mm-hmm. and that's the character we're saying this is. Yeah. Yes, we are. We are saying that, but we're also. I mean, we're also transitioning that character into. If you're writing a '60s character, like, well, whatever it's supposed to be now. I mean, that's right. it's not a '60s character anymore. If, if we're going by the Marvel. Like timeline, mm-hmm. he's what? It's like eight years ago now. Right. It's like the early two thousand. So that character's not going to talk the same he did in the sixties. You know what I mean? So they're going to have to transition a little bit. 
you know, I think they're going to try to keep the like the like the value system in, in, intact. And I don't know if the, the 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 way of speaking is going to necessarily be. Oh, I don't want him to be saying fad and groovy or anything <laughs> no, like that. No, I didn't that. mean it like Trust that. Trust me, but no, I know. <laughs> I know. But I, I want I want there to be a real split between the two Scots. Right, yeah, yeah. And I'm not if we're already going there mm-hmm. first time he actually says something, mm-hmm. if this is a trap, I'll blow your head off. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, Scott. <laughs> we'll see. I'm go I'm in for one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm you know, it's and it's all within a month, so that's good. Yeah. I, I'm in, I'm definitely really I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh you know, Bendis's way of telling stories, and you talked about this a little bit in the Tongue Comics Presents thing about the the, the decompressed yes. storytelling, and you know that's the way he tells stories, and I I don't think it's uh, you know I think that's less to do with writing for trades, and it's just the way he likes to write, you know, and that's a style that you either like or you don't like. Um, for me right now, it's working, and I'm I I, I like the interaction between the the past and future um, X Men uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm interested to see what's going on with Beast. It seems to be a theme in a couple of the Marvel Now books. Here, smart heroes being, you know, sick. Yeah. And need to try to figure out an emergency way to heal themselves is happening in two uh, of the major Marvel Now books. Um, I, you know, I feel a little bit like the Wolverine interaction is just, you know, the the, I, the way it starts, it felt perfunctory. Maybe like, okay, this is the way Wolverine would always do this and didn't feel new. I like the way that it, it resolved itself. Yes. You know, I liked what Gene did. Um, I, I liked... Uh, you know, the, there's a little moment where Beast sees Gene, yeah. Um, that re- got me really emotional. It was it was a one line, but the the Stuart Eminem art and, and the Bendis storytelling it really just hit me like really really strongly. And it was that one moment especially that made me go, okay, if this is the way the book's gonna be, you know, if we're gonna get these moments sparse throughout it, then this is the book I want to hold on to and, and, and keep reading. Okay. Um, I do see your point. Like, I, I I'm not a person who read the X Men back then, so I can't say yay or nay I, I i trust your judgment on those things to me because i don't have those voices in my ears it doesn't bother me um but i could see from someone who who had been experiencing that why it might feel a jarring but beast was the hang mccoy was more much more reserved in this than he was in that in that op- that scene yes, absolutely said. yeah now what i'm looking at though is for the first 30 years of these characters mm-hmm. The voice was consistent, whether it was Stan or Roy Thomas yeah. or Claremont or mm-hmm. anybody, or the cartoons, which you guys all know. Yeah. You know, Scott and Gene and Hank, everybody was mm-hmm. that way. And this is now someone seeing it or hearing it with a different mm-hmm. set of things in his head. Yeah. I'll go, I want to see them all meet. I want to see it happen. And then mm-hmm. I, I'll make a better judgment. Right now, it's really on the fence for me. Okay. All right. Steve, what do you think about it? I like it. You like it? Yeah. Um, I like it. I'm a little. Um, concerned about um, the whole beast thing though I think it's a little um, strange that he's that he like what he did he jumped into the future mm-hmm. and I just I almost feel like it's a, a very bold move for mm-hmm. him and they, they, they talk about it and he says that you know I would never do this unless it was the utmost importance mm-hmm. but I'm more worried about what it's going to do to like the time space continuum and whether or not it's going to have like some real repercussions, because it, it just seems strange that he was revealing things about the future yeah. to this group, mm-hmm. and it was almost kind of like in a not a nonchalant mm-hmm. way, but like almost like a flamboyance to it. Yeah, where with that kind of stuff, like they say, you know, the if you step on a bug, it could you know ripple throughout the whole future mm-hmm. and change everything. 
it just doesn't seem like he's paying all too much attention to what his actions could have done, and that seems very un-Hank to me. Right, yeah. But he also is desperate. Yeah, right. yeah. And I don't think those implications are going to be ignored yeah. going forward. Well, um, they also know, based on Days of Future Past, they're not, they can't fix. They create a timeline where it's different. Yeah, right. Right. Um, I think it's interesting though what you said about how in the Marvel Now books that all the like the genius characters are all like the smart scientist types, mm-hmm. how they're all kind of getting sick. Yeah. That I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that's like a planned thing throughout this relaunch. Um, that's that's something to chew on. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it could be very well be. Yeah. Um, um, I'm down for another issue though. I, I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, don't be wrong. I I I I would rather it not be this many issues this quickly. And we've talked about this. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like ad Triple nauseum shipping, on the yeah. show now at this point. You know, in the last couple of weeks, but three issues in what four weeks? I guess it is. That's too much. Yeah, they're four dollars an issue too. It's not like it's it's a three dollar book yeah. or even a, you know two dollar book. It's a four dollar book. That's twelve dollars you're spending on a month. You know, in a month uh, on one book. Eight dollars is bad enough. Six dollars is bad enough. Mm. But twelve dollars—I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And it's a for a book I like, you know. Um, that, that's an that's, that's an issue for me. But um, so yeah, I don't want to keep harping too much. We've talked about all new X Men and we talked about Thor. Um, let's move on to our, our books of the week. Um, Stephanie, uh, what was your book of the week? Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about it already or not. So if you have, I apologize. Well, thanks for but listening again, to the show, Stephanie. Kind of... When you weren't here, thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon? Thanks for listening to the show when you weren't here. Thanks a lot. Um, in the middle of nowhere in Italy. Oh yeah, so no internet. Sh- no internet. Sh- <laughs> Lies. Lies. Yeah. The middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's so many people there. <laughs> if we were no, on AM radio, I'd understand. She was hill, busy climbing so like, buildings. You know, yeah. there wasn't a lot of people. I just drove into the city on certain days. Yeah, I didn't see you tweet or upload photos at all no, when you were there. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Stephanie, we're listening to the podcast. You want to join us? Nah, man, I'm climbing this building, yo. (laughs) Shush. (laughs) Leonardo da Vinci just built me a cannon. Caught. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyways, so back on the ranch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, My book of the week is Images, I Love Trouble, number one. Oh, you got to read that? All right. I did. Um, I picked it up, kind of was like sifting through my iPad and was like, what is this? And just started reading the first page thinking that I would be like, eh, I'll come back to this and was immediately hooked. Nice. Um, it's basically this girl who's running away from something. You don't really know at what, um, what at the time she gets on an airplane and shit happens. There's a crash. (laughs) And because of the crash, she discovers she has unusual superpowers. Mm -hmm. Like you do, like it always happens to people and then plane crashes. Like you do. Um, it's, I don't want to give too much away because, I mean, that's the premise of it. And mm. basically it goes from there to her kind of playing around with her powers. There's no, like, Professor X to kind of guide her. And she's just kind of a grifter. And um, she's discovering how to use them and kind of gets into some bad shit. Um, <laughs> this is not do. based on the Julia Roberts Nick Nolte thing. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the train crashes um, in that one and yeah i i don't know the art's great uh, the characters are great they're gritty and um just what we've talked about before when we've talked about um what we like in characters and that sort of realism where they're fuck-ups and um <laughs> they don't always you know oh god i've got superpowers well where is the nearest thing i can do good for 
that didn't make any that sense. That was good. That was a good <laughs> sentence <laughs> that you made right there. <laughs> I'm going to go fight crime. That's what I've got to do. I've got powers and now I have a sense of responsibility. Yeah. And with great power. Mm-hmm. And she's one of them. So mm. I liked it a lot. Now, is this developing? Is this going to be another sort of uh, like it's five mystery issues. book? Like, is it? Um, I don't know if it's so much a mystery book. It it's kind of hard to say where it's going. It's kind of like um um I don't know. I think it's going to be more character focused. Okay. Um, there doesn't really appear to be any kind of air of mystery to it. There's just kind of her getting into shit, and I think kind of trying to. <laughs> work her way out of it um getting but a lot of shit I, <laughs> those powers I don't know, have it. you guys heard of cal cal simon simmons and mark robinson no i've not Mm-mm. okay so those are the people responsible for this and i am not familiar with either of them so i i, I it, as i said it caught my interest right off the bat and it's something that i think everyone should be looking out for all cool. right yeah i put that um to david for the uh talking comics presents article oh yeah yeah um comes out today yeah. Just another like note on it is, you know, it's Image Comics, and the fact that there's two art, two people that none of us know. I mean, the book's got to be good if it got passed through Image with artists and writers that people yeah. don't really know. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, maybe you guys do know them, and I apologize if I should know who they are, um, and it's just not coming to mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all, we're all for four. So, I do not. Apo- yeah. I don't apologize. Oh well. All right. Well, I'm just Canadian then. They can Carry send their hate mail else. towards yeah. me. All right. So I love trouble from Image Comics. Uh, it comes out today. Mm-hmm. Today being Wednesday, obviously. Yes. yes. All right. So Stephanie, anything else you've read uh, in the time you've been away that you want to share with us? Um, I've been reading a little bit of everything. I mean, I've been trying to catch up again with more Invincible. Um, oh, Bob, I just caught up with X Factor. <laughs> ah. Issue number two forty six with Pip. I won't oh. spoil it for anyone else, but hilarious. Actor, really good right now. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, been really good for a while, but that was it's extra awesome right now. Yeah, mm. uh, Joey Burkino, who writes for our site, he he usually reviews it every month, and he said to me, he emailed me today, he's like, I'm not going to review it this month because my my reviews are always the same. It always just says bye 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 bye. <laughs> so you know, when it gets to that point with the book, it's a book that you should be checking out, and it's a book that I should be checking out too. I just. I've been wanting to read it forever. Yeah. All the all the books are at the shop waiting for me. I just haven't taken the dive yet. You know what happens? Like I, I got like a couple weeks ago I got behind, you know, with like the Sandy stuff happened and everything, and yeah. I just have never caught up. There's like constantly no. a stack of like eight books I was not getting to. My two read pile that I made last night mm-hmm. is ridiculous. I bet. And I can only for some reason lately I can only make it through a few books before I start to nod off. I don't have the power <laughs> anymore. Wow. You're getting old. Yep. I am. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be 32 in January. Yikes. I was reading uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Oh, yeah. You, you put that on the your, your, your Tumblr. What do you think of that book? <laughs> um, I've read issue one and two, and I really don't know what I think about mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'd heard a lot of controversy about what they did with Starfire yeah. a, a while back, and I just kind of wanted to see it for myself. Um, and the first issue is just like, it's like what the issues I had with Catwoman. Um, mm. The story <laughs> is fun, and then you get a girl mixed into it, and it's got to be all about sex, like literally, not like yeah. a metaphor for you know women in scantily clad clothing. Like it's actually her being really slutty and <laughs> wearing scantily clad clothing. Like, yeah. It's just, 
I don't know. And I can see why people had a lot of issue with it, but the story was kind of punny, I guess. So I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I read the second issue and I enjoyed that a lot more. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a couple more issues to either, you know, stick with it or not, but it's, it could go either way for me right now. Yeah. I'll say this about it. I read like a, a an arc of it when I did that, the whole ranking thing. And that the problem, the coriander problem is big. You know, yeah. it, it, she, they, they tartar up big time. Um, the thing about the book though, is that once it hits about issue five, it, even though she still looks the way she looks, uh, it kind of, it kind of abandons that other tone to it. And the book is very fun. And I, I think that, it has some good stuff going on. There's a lot of good Jason Todd stuff happening in that book, and Arsenal, you know, uh, Red Arrow is in it. Um, it's an interesting team. I, I think that it's a book that got overlooked because I think the first couple, the first issue is is I think really bad. But I think that after that, it, it gets actually pretty good. That's that's what I thought too. Like the first issue and the second issue really drastically um, differ. The first issue is kind of silly and kind of almost very airheaded. And then the second one um, still has that sort of sense to it, but almost more on a serious note. Yeah. Um, it It's fun and yet enjoyable, like serious enough to read and kind of enjoy. Mm-hmm. But again, I do see the problem people had with Starfire now. And I'm kind of just like, what were they thinking? <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Ugh, so I don't know. They've they've really screwed the pooch on this one with the women. <laughs> I haven't read this. I'm DC curious. Now. You should check. Well, it's, it's a book worth checking out. I think definitely. Um, I think the art is really nice, uh, and I, I think that the action is really good, um, and I think it definitely gets better as it goes along. It's one of those books, though, for me that it's just like it, it's just not quite good enough to add to my pull list. You right. know, you know what I mean? It just, it can't, it's, it's got to bump something off and it hasn't been good enough to bump something off. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how I also felt about, like I started reading voodoo as well. And <laughs> the art is awesome, but so far the story is just kind of, yeah. Yeah. That book sucks. Yeah. The, the art is very nice, but that book, yeah. 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 I mean, so voodoo. I don't know. And Issue again, I've been reading a lot terrible. of like the regular things, Captain Marvel and, <laughs> mm-hmm. I started reading Casanova and oh, just lots and lots and lots of stuff to try and, and chew, chew as well. I've been trying to catch up with that. Nice. So many comics. There are too many comics. I don't want to tell people to stop making comics, but like if you want to make them every other month <laughs> or something, you know, so I could catch up, yeah. it'd be awesome. Take a pay cut, people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you say it like that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Stephanie's. Uh, Bob, what about you? Okay, quickly. Um, first off, Masks number one, which I've been waiting for for months to show up. It's mm-hmm. Chris Roberson and painted by Alex Ross, at least this first issue. And a story set in 1938. It's sort of a rise of a fascist government within the state of New York. Uh, they have the black police instead of the Gestapo, sort of you know, black shirts, whatever. It's the Shadow, Green Hornet, and Cato. We eventually meet the Spider. Looks like we're going to get Zorro and apparently Miss Fury in issue two, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um Ross won't be doing the art after this one, just the covers, but it's a Boo. fellow who did X-Men Noir, which was also very good mm-hmm. a while back. So Noir? Noir. Oh, Noir. Oh, Noir. Oh, we're getting fancy. Yeah, <laughs> French. We're very French. We're, we'll do Italian, now we'll do French. Uh, really love the way this story got set up. The, the Shadow's first appearance here is set up in such a way that you're, you're reading a page and you hear his voice and turn the page mm-hmm. to the Shadow making this dramatic appearance 
up at the top of the frame, which is giant Adrian Brody like nose. (laughs) That's what he looks like with his blazing 45s taking down bad guys. Uh, You've got in front of you, Bobby. What did you think of Mask? I really liked it. You know, it was. It's almost. I almost have this position where I wish I didn't know who any of them were because for the beginning with with Green Hornet and with the Shadow. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like, uh, you know, these two characters that I've seen in a bunch of other places are not together. Um, and then once, and then because of, I knew those characters so well, and only be, only from movie and TV mm-hmm. appearances, like the shadow I know solely from the Alec Baldwin movie. Um, Whoa. But I loved that movie I I when too. I was a kid. Still do. So Just I, watch it again. It's all right. I'm a huge Darkman fan. Well, Darkman's great. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... That, that, so that's why I know that movie. So that beginning, I was like, oh, I love this. This is cool. This is like a connection of characters I've, I've never seen before. And, you know, they, they seem like they belong in the same universe, even though they, they, I don't think they've ever met before, right? I don't think so. Um, and then the problem with that was when the spider showed up, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. You know, that, that's the feeling I had. Um, and I wanted that, when Zoro shows up, I wanted that feeling because I know who Zoro is. So, yeah. but it, it, was, it was a little bit of a roller coaster for me in that way. Um, it's also. You know, it's one of these books where I feel like there's a lot of plot going on behind the scenes that we haven't seen yet. There's all these machinations going on mm-hmm. with the the government stuff and the secret police and who's behind all of this and you know yada 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 yada. And you know, I, I felt that this kind of was a layer on top of that. And I feel like we're probably gonna break into that pretty soon. Um, but for some reason, knowing that stuff existed and not getting into it made the it made this issue feel like it was not enough story for one issue because like this is limited, right? This is not a eight issues, it's eight issues. So, and it, again, these are all outside circumstances that are, are imposing on just reading this book. Um, but because of those reasons, like, well, I wanted more to happen in this issue, or maybe all the characters get introduced in this issue, you know. Um, but you know, again, it's an eight issue series, so by issue eight, I might be like, oh my god, they did it exactly right. Waiting till issue two, didn't, you know, it would have been too cluttered in one, you know, whatever. But coming off the first one, I'm still gonna buy issue two, definitely. Um, but I, it, it didn't go crazy for it the way I was hoping I'd go crazy okay. for. Okay, I think you're gonna see a lot of introductions quickly of characters, mm-hmm. and then once they're all in place, you'll have a better familiarity with everything yeah. and how it pulls together. Mm-hmm. Steve, did you read it? I did. I read it last night. Um, I wish that I was I was the first thing that I read when I sat down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was quite in the headspace mm-hmm. for what it was going to deliver for me at the moment. Um like after talking about it before the show and talking about it now, I feel like I should read it again, but I also think that I'm going to need another issue of it to really get comfortable with it. Yeah. Um I don't know who any of these people are mm-hmm. like whatsoever. I mean, I've seen the Green Hornet movie, but I mean, that's not anything like what this is. Um so I mean I don't know I was I was kind of like neither here nor there on it I really I mean the artwork of course is yeah. is beautiful and um, I liked the I, I hate to use the word like the maturity of it mm-hmm. or just the the mm-hmm. sense that I was reading a different kind of heroes almost like like the gentleman's heroes kind yeah, of thing absolutely yeah, yeah. a yeah, little yeah. bit totally um, so for that for that reason I'm interested in it because it's something that I I don't really expose myself to a lot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because it was only like a quick read and I kind of, I, I admit it, like I kind of, you know, ran through it a little fast because I knew that I would be reading stuff that I had really wanted to get to right afterwards. So I kind of just went through it to mm-hmm. be able to talk about it on the show. Um, I want to dedicate at least another read to it and at least another issue and see if I can't catch the rhythm of it and, and enjoy it a little bit more. I didn't dislike it. I just, it didn't, it didn't resonate with me in any way. I want to, I want to kind of give another shot. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, see, I, in a way, I think in a less way, I feel the same way you did, where yeah. I enjoyed it. And I want to read another issue, but it, it didn't resonate with me. I think that's a great word for it. Yeah. Um, where to me, I see those characters, even the spider, and it's, yeah. wow, this is just so great. Right. And you're know, halfway through, and I want to see Lamont Cranston and Britt Reed sit there at the table. Right. At the no, Cobalt I, Club I like and have a conversation. A I like yeah. that scene a lot, actually. Um, now, I know Alex Roth, he uses real people as his models, right? For the, his, Very often. Yeah. yeah. Are, are there real people at play here with the characters? Not that I've seen. He's he's using the basically Mike Kaluta's art from the old DC Shadow. Okay. He's, he's gone down that route, the huge nose. But that's okay. from the old pulp covers. Okay. And I think his Green Hornet is a, is a mixture of the television Van Williams mm-hmm. and the movie serials from the yeah. 40s. And it's, and you know, if people are ready, it's not the Green Hornet maybe they're used to, to seeing. He has the full face mask. Right. He's got, a, well, actually, he has a mask that comes to the nose and it's sort of a veil. A veel, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's basically his whole face is covered. It's yep. not that, that eye mask that people no. are, are pretty used to. Or the, and that you rock so well. Yeah, on I rock Halloween. on Halloween, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anything else? You want sure. To talk about a couple week? more, real quick. Uh, Ghost number two, uh, Kelly Sudakonic and Phil Noto. Um, pace is really picking up here we're starting to introduce some other characters a couple of them who are not who you think they were before and they're throwbacks to the original series dr october who's got her own issues with youth and beauty and the rest of it and this fella on the cover (laughs) big devil on the cover is one of her antagonists from the old days ah so uh, without giving too much away about what happened this because i'm sure everyone's not reading it i am it's great Okay, yeah, I'm, cool. re- I'm reading it too. It's, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, I think some people are going to wait for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that there's a, we get some uh, information for Ghost in this one that will change things. We'll find out some more about that. But my book of the week is Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre number four, which uh, you have mine in that pile over there somewhere? I think so. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, in case no, it's on the table. And it's on the table. Oh, don't, worry, don't worry about it. It's not important. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll remember. Um, it's Darwin Cook and it's Amanda Connor and she uh, co-plotted here. If the other before Watchmen books were like this, this would be, you know, the thing would have been a complete success across the board. Uh, oh, I almost you, don't want to see it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Steve hasn't seen it. So, but I'll look you, the other way. Um, in this issue particularly, you're, you go back and forth through the, the four issues, the three issues previously. Um, you, you've got Lori learning to be a hero even though she really didn't want to be stuff with her mom and the dad and the Minutemen. it's her san francisco adventure and her friends there you tie in to the the other series to, to darwin cook's Minutemen, as well as the original mini uh the art is just gorgeous uh facial expressions just charming amanda connor just, as usual is just top of her game with that there's a scene here for instance it's near the end they're, they're going to the Minutemen meeting that we've, we've seen in, in that that book and Sally is preparing to fix Lori's makeup by using what's obviously a handkerchief covered in, you know, Mother's Universal Solvent. She's been <laughs> dipping it on her tongue. She's going to start. And she, Lori makes this face. is like, oh, Bob, stop. Mm. It's just all so human. These characters are, at, at the end of the day, human beings. And we get to see that here. It is just a shame that the other books didn't come out this way. This is just... Tremendous action, great humor. This is just a really good book, and I mm. can't recommend this enough. This is, we've all kind of liked this as we've gone through. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't read this issue yet all the way through, but I, I've really liked that. I've liked that Minutemen and uh, Doctor Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan have been the too. three that I've really kind of uh, cling to. And you know, I mean, that's a shame that's only been three. I mean, I thought Moloch was good as well, the, mm. the first issue of that. Um, so there's been some good ones. I mean, this is, I think, this and Doctor Manhattan have been the two standouts. Uh, for me, absolutely. And then we come back to mm-hmm. Stephanie's word for the whole series, which was, go ahead, Steph. 
It's unnecessary. There you go. <laughs> I actually truthfully had forgot it before Watchmen was even coming out until you just brought it up. Well, it's a huge gap. It's been a huge gap. Yeah, they took like a hiatus. Um, so I think a lot of people forgot that it, that it was even coming out. Um, yeah, because it's bad. <laughs> truthfully, all no, bad. Like, I I have been picking up uh, Doctor Manhattan as well, based on Adam Hughes's art in it. But I mean. I've lost interest in all the others. Mm. It's a shame. I mean, some of them started out well. You know, some of them just never got off the ground. Um, it's it, 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 at this point, it just I, I think that the way DC treated it, the only problem was like it, it needed to be all home runs. You know, yeah. and they didn't. I don't think they quite treated it that way. And they needed to stick to a schedule. The, the yeah, hiatus, well, that, I think, that hurt. Is it. ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. That that, that definitely hurts it. Um, but you know, you can't if you're gonna do something like this of uh, one of the most famous things in the world, you can't. I don't think they phoned in. They they got good people to do it. I just maybe they didn't give enough time. Maybe they didn't. Whatever the circumstances, but they needed to all be, you know, home runs. Too many of them were. Let's revisit things we've already seen and just tell them over again. Yeah. No. Yeah. This at least was filling in gaps mm-hmm. in Lori's career, which she had never seen yeah. before. And it was the book I was the least interested in reading before before it started because I didn't care about that character at all. I knew the two Darwin cookbooks were going to based on New Frontier right. were going to be the ones that rocked. Right. Um, as a quick sidebar, and you've just made me think of it when you mentioned DC's, uh, like the company itself, but I just think we should also quickly mention really big news that happened in the Vertigo world. It was posted up on the site, but, uh, Karen Berger, who is pretty well, like in charge of Vertigo mm-hmm. has decided to leave. Yeah. She's quit. You guys know at all about this? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> no, but I just wanted to quickly mention it because I feel like it's probably the most, like some of the biggest news to kind of hit yeah. comics in a very long time. And there are rumors flying around that DC will fold the whole imprint into the mainstream books mm-hmm. with what happened with Hellblazer. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, they got rid of uh, the Wildstorm line. Yeah. So it. it that's a rumor. I don't know if that they're going to do that though. I mean, the, uh, but the problem is too, like if you think about it, how many Vertigo books really are there still going right now? There are quite a few. Yeah, there are a little bit. There are quite a few Mer- ongoing. Well, American Vampires now. On, on hiatus. hiatus. Yeah. Sweet Tooth is ending. They've but got a couple of minis coming, coming out. coming out from Vertigo as well and they have the Sandman series coming out next year and then yeah. they have and Ferris. But um, I mean, D- DC could easily fold Sandman, you know, just put the DC name on that, you know. So I don't think Vertigo is going under. I don't think they're planning on doing that, but I don't know. So, I mean, but it's just really big news. And I think there's going to be some major changes going on in Vertigo over the next little while. Did and hopefully a, it doesn't affect the DCU. Right. No. Um, did she give a reason? No. Um, Other opportunities, I think, I think so. was the general. Huh. Interesting. And I don't think she's announced where she's going from here either. So she's what, 20 years at the head of Vertigo, but 33 years at DC. Yep. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's a long time to so, be at a company. I mean, she's been there for a lot of stuff. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see who takes over Vertigo as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. You, you, no, you could. What about you, Stephanie? Week, you should but... apply for this job. Yeah. You have an huh? in. You have an in over there. <laughs> apply for the job. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how that works. <laughs> Relocate to Italy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vertigo's new new headquarters. It's a castle in, in Florence. Yeah, that's something just climbs. It's under, under the water in Venice. <laughs> I will make my entire home 
a jungle gym. <laughs> <laughs> I want my home to be a pillow fort. Nice. Or a blanket fort. Either one. I'm flexible. I don't think that would really hold up against weather. Rains, Nonsense! Rains, you're in trouble. <laughs> Special yes, insulated you blankets. you better live in a desert. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a wet blanket. No. no. Whoa. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Ding, All, right. Blah, blah. <laughs> All right. So um, I'll go do my book of the week uh, next. Um, it is uh, FF number one. Yay. That book sucks. Uh, from Marvel. Matt Fraction. Uh, Mike Allred. Um, so I have not. I was not reading uh, the Hickman FF. Oh. I read a few issues of it. Um, but because I hadn't gone back, it, it was harder to get into for me starting in the middle than it was starting in Fantastic Four okay, sure. at 600. Because I started both at the same time. I got two or three issues into FF, and I was like, I don't know what any of these people are. I don't know what's going on. And it was just, you know, I, I knew I had to go back and read. I just didn't have the time. So I want to do that still. And especially one of the things about this book that's so great, I think, is that not only gets me excited for the future of the series, but it makes me want to go back and read the other things yes. with these characters. Um and it does so. And we talked about Fantastic Four a couple weeks ago. I mentioned that I feel like that book was great, but did a poor job of giving us introductions to the other characters, um, the characters we didn't know as well. And this book, uh, I feel like, is exactly the opposite of that. Um, it literally, it literally gives you nameplates and introductions to every single character yeah. yep. in, in the entire book. Little snippets, you know, page long, two pages long sometimes, um, but they're so character rich. So character heavy. Every there's not a wasted, you know, um, dot uh, 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 of color in the entire book as far as giving you ideas about who these people are and, and what they're doing. Um, I think it, I think that definitely reading the point one informs the Scott Lang story, sure. but I feel like even without the point one, I feel like the Scott Lang story is really is powerful just in this issue alone. You know. And Reed's reasoning for bringing him on to what he wants him to do, um, you know, I, I, it's great because it, it's it's scientific and and it's practical, but it's also very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is wonderful. Uh, well, Reed comes off. It seems like in his first little conversation where he mentions the unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. You know, Reed comes off as a little aloof, right? But it's for a reason. He's trying to get him to to go there with him mm-hmm. to get Scott to go with him. And then once he does, Reed's had his own issues in the history of this book before were, you know, spoiler alert for 40-year-old books, where, you know, Franklin's powers went crazy and had to shut his mind off, or at a, at a point where Sue had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and during the burn eras where they had to deal with these things. But you see that read in that last couple of pages where he's explaining to Scott that, you know, I understand your loss. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 these kids need you as much as you need them, and, and it, it's, it'll work. It's a synergy. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, they, it's basically the book is kind of divided into two sections that are intermingled. It's the introduction of the kids at the Future Foundation, you know, presenting themselves to uh, the teacher, the new, the new teachers. And it's the Fantastic Four recruiting the new the members to replace them for the four minutes they're going to be gone uh, from the universe. And, you know, the, the, I love that each interaction with each member of the Fantastic Four and their chosen replacement feels... Both completely different, but still part of the same whole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's this. There's this great. The 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 thing with She Hulk feels different than you know Reed with with Scott Lang Ant Man, you know, which feels different than from from Sue, which feels different from Johnny. Um, yeah. And I, I love I love all that. The stuff of Johnny feels exactly right. You know, mm-hmm. for the way he acts in this issue. And I mean, obviously, we we can't not talk about the book without talking about the art. 
um, and obviously you're going to hear the interview with Mike, uh, Mike Allred later, but uh, it's just gorgeous. And, yeah. and, and the, the great thing about him is that it's gorgeous in a way that is unlike anyone else who makes comics. And it, it's got, it's, it's so easy to make humorous. Like, I, you know, the humor is easy for the, this type of art because of the, the, the pulp style of it. But the way it's able to also convey emotion mm-hmm. is really kind of special to me. I, 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 when, this, when this cover came out a couple months ago, this was the book I was most looking forward to and it did not disappoint me um, in the least. Uh, Bob, what, what do you think? Same idea. Home run. Complete home run. Uh, the emotion you talk about, there's a, in that sequence with Reed, there's a panel where you see his face and it's just the weight of the world is on his shoulders. He, it's for his family and for Scott. Uh, the, the sort of girl talk between Medusa and Sue is, is just beautiful. The shot of Manhattan from space or whatever you want to call that is just incredible. Yeah. Um, this is just a, a great book. And if people think it's just the continuation of the other FF, it is. And it's the sidebar book to this other, but it has its own charms and its mm-hmm. own worth. You can pick this up and just get a blast out of this starting page one yeah and i think the thing about the book too is though you're gonna read this and you could read it separately but you're not gonna want to once you've read it you know you're mm-hmm. gonna want to get that other side yeah um as well yeah um steve what do you think of it uh it's easily my favorite of the marvel now mm-hmm. releases without a doubt um i was looking forward to it the most um and i think this is a, a huge uh uh compliment to um Allred's art and just the writing for whatever reason it struck me as almost like a like a Wes Anderson um kind of approach yeah. to to comic book writing mm-hmm. um between the the interview pages kind of like those little like vignettes and stuff like that that they have in those movies and just the yeah. the colorization of the characters and um I absolutely love that that panel or that shot you were talking about the full page of seeing the city and yeah. Sue's like walking on these little discs up, up into space and stuff like that. Um, I love that we're already involving characters that were established in FF um, for the past, you know, year or so that it's been coming out. Right. And um, it does feel like a continuation, but it also feels brand new. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just a, like for all the fun, that it is and for all the like the introductions and all the things that it does right um it only goes to emphasize the the real crisis that's going on that reed has this this sickness that he hasn't really he hasn't told anybody mm-hmm. about it yet like right. his real reason for wanting to go away and go search uh, in space that it's just it's awesome how it pulls the two books together yeah. and um a sense of like almost like doom that it creates within the book that while you're having fun with the book, there's a very, very, very serious, like the, the head of the family is in danger, Yeah, you know, and by him being in danger, everyone else is in danger mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't imagine uh, a Marvel universe without him in it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's very dire circumstances in a, in a very fun colorful package that it's almost deceiving yeah in a way yeah and um it just it works on so many levels and uh when i read it i i knew i was going to enjoy it but when i put it down i I think i read it like two or three times because i was just like yeah like Mm -hmm. this is this is the book that i wanted and this is the book that i'm going to look forward to every month um 
and I'm glad I think it's going to be one of those, you know, once a month deals mm-hmm. that it'll be it'll be nice to to get that treat when you look on that calendar and you see it's coming out again and you just like you wait it's one of those books I'm going to wait for mm-hmm. and you know like Bob does with like, you know, a glass of wine. Like <laughs> I actually sat down with um some uh some scotch when I read it. I was just nice. like feeling all, you know, mystery uh not mystery science theater, masterpiece theater. theater. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was feeling very masterpiece theater when I read it. Nice. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to the rest of it. And I, I urge anyone who's ever been curious about jumping onto these series that this is really this is now the time to jump on it and and just get into this huge huge world that Fantastic oh, yeah. Four is. Yeah. You know, such a shocker. <laughs> Talking comics loves FF. Hey, it's you know it's good stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's so great. And again, much like what he does in Hawkeye, the timeline is split in a way that's different. It's not you know completely linear. It has a it has a little quirk to it, and uh, I think that's awesome. Um, so Steve, why don't you talk about your book of the week, and then we'll close out with the all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. go ahead. Um. Two uh, two quick mentions. I started because of our uh, Stephanie. I started to read Lock and Key, mm. which is stu- sinister. What? Sinister. It's sinister <laughs> and just stupendous. Um, I've om- I'm only two volumes into it, so I mean the the first volume just really really sets this this incredible tone. That um, like we were talking a few weeks back about the film being made and, and our thoughts on it and stuff like that. After reading the first two volumes, I am so psyched to to find out what they do with this, especially if they're planning to make it a trilogy. Mm-hmm. That they could really uh, flesh everything out, get people to sign on for all three films, and just the the progression of the story is really really intense. Uh, kind of like um, the Cape, which was also right. uh, by Joe Hill. Joe Hill. That it just it really it it starts off being so sinister, but almost like innocent and typical of like you know a shattered family moving to a you know out of the way place, and it's kind of spooky, and you really don't know what's going to happen. And then they just this this little boy that moves into the house ends up making friends with shadows that live within the well, uh, the well house of mm-hmm. of the the property. And things go into motion, uh, keys are found within the house, and each key has a different function. And each door that you open within the house, or really one, one, one person that can control them anywhere, um, you can, things change. You can, you can die when you walk through a door, but you can still kind of like, you can, you can leave your body, but you can come back. Um, you can walk through a door and you can change your gender. You could be 60 years older than you are when you walk through the door. Like, it's really, it could go anywhere. Like, if they, they had the TV pilot um, thing not too long ago, why they didn't pick that up and do, like, a key of the week mm-hmm. kind of episode or a door of the week would have been just awesome. Even if right. it only lasted, like, two seasons, it would right. have been great. Um, so it's really good. It's really gritty. It's very um, it's very Joe Hill, very, you know, you can you can feel the Stephen King influence and in, you know inst- instructing him and you know telling him how to be a good writer and stuff like that but uh it's got he's got his own voice mm-hmm. to it and uh it's just it's fun it's really fun i have volume three i'm gonna pick up four and five in the next couple of days and i think omega is you know is coming out now it's been a while but it's it's coming out now so 
Uh, anybody that's curious about it, it is super good. And I guarantee you that if you start reading it, you're going to want it all because you're not going to be able to stop. Um, but more importantly, my uh, official book of the week is... One second. <laughs> Wait for it. I left it on the floor. Here it is. Starbright and the Looking Glass by Jonathan Luna. What a surprise! <laughs> um, this book was wonderful. I had absolutely no idea what to expect when uh, I'd seen that it was coming out. Uh, I know that we reported on it, but I didn't really, even when I wrote the the article for it, I didn't really pay too much attention to the news portion of it. I just mm -hmm. wrote what I thought about it coming out. And when it came into the shop and we took it out, first of all, it was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's like a nice hardcover, almost looking like one of those golden books from way back when. Um, the presentation is just absolutely gorgeous. And what it is, is it's a modern day fairy tale that essentially takes bits and pieces from all the other fairy tales, a lot of Aesop, a lot of Grimm's, a lot of Lewis Carroll, and just mixes it all together to make something new. And essentially, it's about a like a dirty girl that lives in the forest. She lives in the fields, and she's a you know a woman of nature. And she has three friends, which are an owl, a frog, and a capybara. And they just they're you know having fun. They play games, very innocent, the whole bit. And then one day they come across a mirror, and the young woman gets to basically see herself in this mirror for the first time. How she didn't notice that she was dirty in the reflections of the water pools, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But she basically sees herself for the first time as being grimy and dirty and decides to do something about it. She cleans herself in the water, and when she comes out, she realizes that she's absolutely gorgeous. And in that moment, she completely loses just about everything about who she was. She loses touch with her friends. She becomes so narcissistic and so obsessed with her image and with herself that eventually it's revealed that the mirror is cursed and it throws her into a very fairy tale like scenario where there's a witch and you know mm -hmm. basically it's a really 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 powerful book um John the Lunar Brothers have a tendency to do human characters extraordinarily well and even though this is a fairy tale and almost I mean, this could be for an audience of anybody. I'm actually going, um, I believe, Friday night. I'm going over to my sister's house uh, to read it to my four-year-old niece. Like, it's going to take a couple nights, but I'm hoping that if I read it to her enough, it'll be something that'll stick with her. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just the first thing that I've come across. I mean, I grew up on fairy tales, and I absolutely love them, but and I read, like, a lot of the modern-day stuff, like the Sisters Grimm and, and, you know, Neil Gaiman and things like that, but... This is the first thing that I've come across that was like a straightforward, no doubt about it. This is a new fairy tale mm -hmm. that, you know, this is the kind of book that you want to buy and you want to keep on your shelves. If you're thinking about having children one day and you don't have this book and you read it and you lost it or you let somebody borrow it and it disappeared, you're going to be pissed off that it's not sitting on your shelf for you to share with your kids or even your, you know, your nieces and nephews and stuff like that. It's just one of those all around good lesson learned you know just mm -hmm. be yourself beauties on the inside that kind of thing believe in your friends cooperation teamwork all of those themes are in here mm -hmm. um and it's just it's written like a classic so i don't know i i i really didn't know what to expect i picked it up i read it and i thought it was gonna be like an alice in wonderland mm -hmm. thing it was called you know the looking glass so right. i'm like yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. gonna be jonathan luna going into you know mm -hmm. funky town with mm -hmm. uh 
you know, queens and all these things, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my in my mind, I have I have a shelf in my house that's all like the classic literature, uh, golden page books, and everything. And I'm when I'm done tonight, I'm putting this right there with them. Nice. What do you think the reading age is for uh, standalone kids reading? You know, sort of. I'd say if you really want to take something away from it, I'd say around like eight or nine. Okay. Um, it's able to be read by that age bracket. Um, I mean, I'm going to be reading it to my niece. I th- she's definitely too young to to really you know, get everything that I would want her to get out of it. But like I said, I'd like to read it to her a couple of times over time if she likes it. Right. She'll get to learn the characters and then grab the depth. Right. Like I remember, I remember stories that I was told, you know, a few times in my childhood that stuck with me. I would love it if this was a book that I could bring to the table that I would introduce her to that a while back, like she pulls it out of her room one day and comes down and is like, do you remember when you gave me this? Uh Like I, that would be, it's, you know, it's, yeah. sappy but no, it's, no great. it's great you yeah. know i would i would love to have that moment yeah. with her and this yeah. this is the first book that i've come across that i feel like i could really share with her mm-hmm. so um so it was special for me so that's my book of the week all right well speaking before we get out of here uh, before, uh speaking of books that can be read by uh children my little pony friendship is magic number one uh came out this past week and uh I don't watch that show. I know you don't, Steve. I don't watch it, Bobby. No. At all. Um, I didn't see an episode just two days ago (laughs) at all. Uh, uh, But before you read the book, you'd never seen an episode of the show. No. Um, Our reviewer, uh, Joey, had never seen an episode of the show. Um, And I tell you what, the book is great. Uh, It's it's really well written. It's witty. Um, It's a lot of fun. Again, this is not, not, we're not talking about, you know. Shakespeare here, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not going to be, you know, talking about how My Little Pony Friendship is Magic changed your life, but um, it, it, don't let, if you don't let the, I guess the window dressing of it turn you away from what is a very, it's a very fun, all ages kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, every review that I had come across before picking it up was extremely positive. Mm-hmm. And usually when I when I read reviews ahead of time, I skip down to the very last paragraph just to get like that general non-spoilerish impression. And everybody was like, "Look, we know it's My Little Pony. Read it anyway. Just pick it up, check it out. Uh the art is fun. It's extremely colorful. Mm-hmm. Um and it's really clever." It's yeah. really, really clever. It's very clever, and it and it defines all its characters. I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. I was mm. really by the time that I had heard from many people that I, I, I you know, the reputable people mm. and some of our own people that were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And I'm like, "Really?" I'm like, "Everybody's freaking out." And even at the shop when I picked it up, there was a girl that had come in two days in a row to buy all five covers of the book. She was she was like foaming at the mouth waiting for this book. And I was like, wow, I'm like, this really is a thing. Yeah. Like people are really, really into this. It was something like uh, Katie Cook, who was the writer on her blog, posted something about like 90,000 90, pre-orders or something wow. on yeah. the book. Yeah. So it's going to be a big seller. Um, you know, it's definitely. I could definitely see if this was an animated form, it would be too much for me to handle because there's a lot of references. There, it you know, it's like pure bubble gum, like you know. But being able to read it and kind of go at my own pace and parse it out, um, it was a lot of fun. It's just a really solidly written book, and, and I mean, I know a lot of people won't even look at it 
uh, you know, I've been, I'm, I, I've been afraid for it to be on top of my pile at, at home. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, people are quick to jump to judgments about what it is, but it, you know, I'll never watch the show. But this book is really good. Well, that's a very sort of Warner Brothers Looney Tunes vibe yeah, to it. The it cultural does. references. I mean, that you have a pony saying it's clobbering time. <laughs> I mean, so awesome. Please, where is that coming from? Yeah. But it is not the sappy thing you'd think it would be, mm-hmm. and even even the cover isn't. No. Well, in the cover, there's a bunny reading a book that says, "How arrogance can work for you." Yes. <laughs> um, give it a shot i i wouldn't have until i just read it here and it was yeah. very very cute i'm annoyed it's it's continued because i may have to buy two of these now <laughs> yeah it's i think it's an ongoing oh <laughs> more money i can't spend it. i like mine with the uh the dj pony in the back <laughs> all right so that is it uh for our books of the week um we're gonna take a little break we're gonna come right back and talk about our top five currently working artists We are back, and we are here to talk about our top five currently working artists. Are right. you staring at me with daggers already, as if I'm going to go off in some you crazy know, tangent? Bob emailed me. <laughs> I sent Bob an email because, uh, guys, Bob doesn't have a cell phone, just like he doesn't have a Twitter. Yep. And um, I sent him an email to be like, hey, because uh, I was at work and I couldn't really call him. Hey, um, this is what we're going to do for the show tonight. Uh, and he responds back. I, 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 What I expect back... Not what I expect back. What you would expect back if you didn't know Bob would be like, okay, or I don't really think I can do that. What I get back from him is like, you know, a two paragraph email <laughs> that is like describing the different ways in which he can address the list that I have sent him the idea for. Um, and I go, oh, Bob, well, let's not do that. Let's just do this. We'll worry about these other things later. Again, another, email, another two paragraph email back that now explains, okay, this is the list I've come up with. I've come up with five artists, two coverists, and a rookie of the year. <laughs> what did I say to you when you told me, word, I'm down? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> that was my response. Three words. Stephanie asked me, just interior artists or coverists? Bob asked me two times in two paragraph emails what he was going to do. Not even asked me. Told me what he was going to do. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I said, Bob, let's leave the coverists off and let's save rookie of the year for like end of the year list. The next email I get back is a one sentence email that says, Bobby, you are no fun anymore. That's all it says. <laughs> that's all it says. Oh, that's awesome. So that's, the, that's my experience of getting the topic off the ground. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. So, um, but as we're ready to pick five, uh, you know, currently working artists who are our favorites. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be fun. We, we talk a lot about writers. We don't talk a lot about artists. Mm. So, um, I, I, and with Mike Allred being on the show on Friday, I figured this is a good time to, to do this list. Um, so, Bob, why don't you give me a number five here? Alan Davis. Okay. Who's been working a lot recently, did the uh, the annuals through this whole summer. Yeah, uh, everything burns. Right, did some Captain America mm-hmm. with Ed Brubaker and will be Wolverine's artist yep. uh, on one of those series next year. Discovered him with Excalibur years and years back and uh, some X-Men work. Definitely out of the Neil Adams school. A lot of that, a lot of John Byrne in what he does, but really always very on model. The character's have weight when they when they throw punches the action sequences are great but it's the smaller subtle the facial expression you saw him draw kitty pride and you know lockheed it was it was just special mm-hmm. and his captain britain obviously is amazing 
uh, Alan Davis. Alan Davis. All right. Steve, why don't you give me number five? All right. My number five artist is Chris Buccello, who is responsible for, he just, uh, if you checked out A plus X number two, he was the artist on the Rogue and uh, Black Widow mm-hmm. uh, portion of the book. And he's also recently done work for Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, I It was really, really hard to choose between uh, Chris Buccello and Humberto uh, Ramos. Mm-hmm. They have kind of similar styles, but I chose uh, Buccello over Ramos just because I love... Like they're they're both very almost like cartoony anime, but still like you can still recognize the characters. They don't look too overdrawn mm-hmm. or too overdone. But what I like about Buchalo a little bit over Ramos is that extra little bit that he puts into his stuff that he doesn't stop his lines necessarily where they're supposed to. Like if you draw somebody's head and you draw a circle or you draw their bangs, let's say on on their hair. Instead of just making it a very tight haircut and having it form their face and just be that, he kind of takes one line and extends it past the body, past the head, that gives it sort of like a motion to it a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit more character, a little bit more style. And um, his characters are also extremely expressive. And even though his work can get a little busy, it's still always fun. For me, mm-hmm. um, instead of being frustrated with something that's on the page that's busy and being like, I can't find it. Where is it? I like looking through the busyness to find the art within within the panel. Mm-hmm. And whenever I do find it, it always makes me smile. I like mm-hmm. I like his stuff. Awesome. Uh, Stephanie, what about you? Um, My number five is only she's only a number five because she hasn't done that much stuff. But um, it's Rebecca Isaacs who did Deviate Gods and Monsters and has done work on DMZ and uh, uh, Hack Slash, um, Megas, that sort of stuff. Is that Angel um, and Faith? Angel and Faith, yeah. She did, yeah. She did, oh, no. yeah. yeah. Um, but I think Deviate was where I first really noticed her work and um, I've kind of followed uh, her stuff ever since. And she is absolutely wonderful and i think she should be doing more interiors all over the place all over the place (laughs) all over the place (laughs) dc marvel image dark horse monkey brain anywhere i think she should just be you know way more out there awesome awesome um my number five is david aja Oh, uh, uh, artist on Hawkeye. Yeah, he also did a uh, Immortal Iron Fist nice. um, w- with Fraction a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he has a very similar style to uh, Chris Samney that's doing in Daredevil mm-hmm. uh, right now. Um, it, it's you know, it's got a, a, a simplicity to it in a lot of ways. You know, it's kind of broad strokes, uh, but I think for the kind of storytelling that's going on in, in that book it, it's perfect and in in fact you know his style on uh iron fist is very different than that so uh, he has a very kind of diverse style to him and i think that it's, it's i'm using the word style up but there is a style to what he does like hawkeye is such a stylish book and uh, you know it's one of the books i look forward to the most and it's not just because the writing it's because of uh that art so 
Well, that, that simple style, let me just interject something here. I, yeah. there was, I saw Bill Waterson in an interview talking about, you know, people look at what he was doing with Calvin and Hobbes or what Charles Schultz did and say, oh, it's simple. Mm-hmm. He said, it is much harder, he said, to draw a simple panel with just one person standing in it mm-hmm. and a tree and making sure it's all balanced and it's dramatic yeah. and everything else, as mm-hmm. opposed to you can fill the background with buildings and, mm-hmm. and stuff. But how do you make a panel that's got Hawkeye and Pizza Dog in it and have, right. it, have it live? Yeah. Pizza Dog. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that's my number five. Uh, my number four, I may pass along because I have the funny feeling that my number four <laughs> is higher up on both your lists. Okay. Uh, J.H. Williams? Yes, yes. Okay. He's, he's my, uh, I don't want to spoil okay. it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, higher so, up my list. So we'll, we'll leave that discussion for, but uh, just discover, I'll just say this. I just discovered Batwoman because of mm. you guys and- absolutely loving it his just it's psychedelic it's mm-hmm. bizarre it's it's both uh classic and original at the same time mm-hmm. and i'll we'll pass along to steve's number right. four okay um my number four artist is menton three mm-hmm. who is the artist of monocyte and the uh recently released transfusion uh from both from idw his stuff is just absolutely epic and um it's dark it's it's dirty but it's it's beautiful at the same time it's very ethereal and uh i had the pleasure of meeting uh him along with ben temple smith and it was just uh, and Casper gambari who's also uh, a writer on monocyte and there's something about meeting these people and meeting these artists that once you meet them once you hang out with them once you talk i mean i spent like back and forth three days with them I'm just talking about all cookies, coffee, comics, all these different things. And once you meet them, it kind of makes it a little bit more personal. And I mean, he took the time to to draw a pretty epic uh, picture on the inside of my book that I had waited several months to get from them. And he saved one specifically for me and just like did it all up nice. And he knew who I was. He read all my reviews. He read my music reviews of the album that he made. And it just really, really boosted my opinion of him. I already liked his work, but then when I saw it in person, when I met the people that he kind of rolls with, it just, it threw him up to the top uh, right away. Really, really great guy, really great work. And um, I have about two, not original pieces, but original prints. Um, One painting actually coming uh, to me, I think in March from him. And I have none of his artwork in my house. I cannot wait to get like a really nice frame and put it up in in my dining room or something. Mm-hmm. He's he's amazing. Awesome. Stephanie, what about you? Um my is Emma Rios. So, the artist that's on, well, Captain Marvel and uh, you'll hear from Kelly Sue, but uh an artist that she'll be working with again. Um also done work on uh Profit and um all kinds of the other doc- things. The Doctor Strange season 1 was her, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And um, text and all kinds of stuff. Um, she's wonderful. And again, she would be higher up on my list if she had done a little bit more work. But since I think her and um, oh blah 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 Rebecca are both pretty, um, they're kind of getting themselves out there right now. They're my number four and five. Awesome, awesome. Uh, my number four is uh, Francis Manipal, who is the artist on The Flash. Right. Um, th- the Flash is an up and down book to me, as uh, you know, as far as writing goes, and Manipal helps write that book. But there is never 
in the you know, I guess we're now, we're like 14, 15 where we are now um, yeah. with that book. There's never been an issue of it that has looked bad to me. There's never been an issue that I will buy that book every month solely because there is always something um, ridiculously clever or emotional or just stunning about a page I- I- there. You know, um, I-, I love his simple character work. You know, I, I love um, his action scenes. You know, there's a thing I always point to is it was early on in the run, but there's a a scene where a character is crying, and as he's crying, his tears are running down, and the tears become panels uh, of his memories of, of Barry. And, oh, right, I remember that. Yeah, and it, it's it's an insanely inventive, you know, you know, w- w- way to tell a story. Um, I I just think it's gorgeous, and so I, I would I will look at his art forever no matter what you know what book he's he, he's drawing so my, my number four is francis menopole bob yeah. my number three uh speaking of meeting people at the new york comic-con i got to meet my number three amanda connor oh she's awesome uh who's just done silk specter and did just a great job uh power girl her first uh run on that on, on the last series before that got canceled for the new 52 is amazing did birds of prey um interestingly it's sort of pin-uppy in a way, in a Dave Stevens sort of way. Yeah, very uh, much. But also very expressive, very human, very winning. Very classy. I mean, yeah. Uh, it is not Catwoman. <laughs> you know, it is, it, despite, you know, Power Girl has attributes, mm-hmm. but it was played up with, with she and Jimmy Palmiotti, uh was writing. It's, okay, it's her attitude. No, I, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it was just different. It could have been handled very differently. And here, it was just in her art, it was just so winning, clever, funny, just very, very, as you say, it is classic, old school, but just new at the same time. So Amanda Connor is my number three. Steve? Very cool. Um, my number three is Scotty Young, um, who is responsible for all the art of the Dorothy and Oz series and the Road to Oz and all those different uh, Ozma books. But you might know him more recently from the A-Babies versus X-Babies issue uh, one-shot. That was absolutely amazing. If you didn't buy it, find it, buy it, read it, love it. Um, I have been in love with his work for a while, even before we started doing this. Um the Oz books were one of the few things I think I found the road to Oz in a um, like a bargain bin or something like that. And I picked it up and I just I absolutely love his work. I think it's very uh, fanciful. It's very creative. And I seem to have a, a pension for things that are kind of messy, but stylishly messy. And he um, he continues to use line work and just little squiggles and there's always it's almost like uh like a really beaten up sweater with all the little hairs coming <laughs> off of it where instead of just drawing something like that and showing like a couple hairs out of place he'll detail it so much so that the entire sweater looks like it has like wisps of, of little hairs and little fibers coming off of it um he's got a character in the oz books i think his name is like the the scraggly man or, or something to that effect. And his entire beard is just a whole series of messy lines that create this like overturned crotchety old bent character just has so much, his characters have so much life to them. Even you could be looking at something really dark and it'll still look really lit up and really bright 
And as much as he tries to do dark, something is always cheerful about what he does. And um, I just, I really enjoyed it. It also kind of reminds me a little bit of what I do uh, with my stuff is that I'm always kind of what I draw really quick or when I'm drunk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like to draw when I'm drunk. I try to emulate his style a little bit more so than any other comic artist on the market. Um, I kind of go into Scotty Young mode when uh, when I draw my own stuff. So for that reason, I, I like him a lot. He's a big influence on uh, what I do. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, there was one day, where, it was the first time he put one of his covers uh, on the covers of the week, and I texted him and I go, did you draw this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. That was the the severed head. That was the, the last run of the Oz books. Yeah. The issue number four that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stephanie, what about you? Mike Norton. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously he does revival, which if you guys aren't reading at this point, I don't Stephanie's going to gonna you, come to your but, house. <laughs> um, that's not true. I might still talk to you, but you should seriously still consider picking it up. Um, he also does Battle Pug, and um, I think recently, last month, he released, um, I believe with Dark Horse, I could be wrong, it might be Oni or something, um, he released The Curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these things that I've mentioned are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, Mike Norton's my number three. He's also doing Icarol in the Atomics right yep. now. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we got, he, he was, he's great. He's a really nice guy, too. We got to talk to him at Comic-Con, and he's just really, like, just so positive about the reaction everybody's had to his work, you know, recently. Um, he also did some work on The Runaways as yes. well. Yes, yeah. he did. I regret not buying Battle Pug at uh, Comic Con. I'm gonna have to order it online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will. <laughs> hey, I can't. I can't buy everything you suggest, or do I? You probably can. <laughs> I, and have I do. Have you seen your like weekly poll list? Yes. Well, I have I'm a new system sure... worked out, but we're not going to talk about that here. <laughs> there's there's some things in the works there, honey. <laughs> I don't know why I just said honey. Wow. <laughs> I know I was just gonna say what. I don't know. I I we're talking about artists. Uh, for some reason, um, masks and mobsters popped into my head. The art for that, and yeah. I went into gangster mode. And Bobby's losing his microphone. Yeah. He actually, when he said it, he actually put a cigar in his mouth. Man, yeah, yeah. see, <laughs> listen, honey. Well, this is my spot on the show. See, <laughs> that's socially acceptable then. Sleeping yeah. with the absolutely, fishes. See? Absolutely, curtains. <laughs> All right, so my number three is Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, obviously, American Vampire. Um, he did some work way back uh, on Robin, and um, he's obviously, he, did a, he was doing, he did the backups for uh, Night of the Owls, and there's just something, for the kind of work that he does, there's something perfect about his art. You know, that, that gothic horror tone, he just hits it perfectly. Um, you know, there it's beautiful and scary, um, expressive. You know, it, it hits every single mark. And you know, he's the. I think I don't know if he said it or there's an interview with him talking about his work when he did superhero work, and he just said, you know, I it wasn't right for me. Um, and I think there's something great about knowing your your strengths. You know, I had a professor in school who told me, um, people always tell you to work on your weaknesses. He's like forget about it. He's like, they're always going to be your weaknesses. He's like, make your strengths even better. He's like, cause those are the things people are going to notice about you. And I think Rafael Albuquerque it, it does that to a T. Um, the, the thick lines, it's everything about it. I mean, those, 
you know, it's a testament, you know, in those uh, Night of the Owls stories where there's beautiful artwork at Capullo all through that, all through those books, those, you know, um, backups stuck with me maybe even more than the main books Mm -hmm. and Albuquerque's art has a lot to do with that. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bob, we're getting to the nitty gritty here. Number two. Number two, uh, didn't do a whole lot this year, but thankfully is still working. It's George Perez. Yeah, well, he has a monthly book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, there was whatever was going on with Superman or whatever. That's all over with. Who cares? But world's finest. George Perez is the world's finest artist of team superhero books. (laughs) It is just... You you can't want someone better to to juggle crowd scenes, action sequences, uh, immense struggles, giant monsters, and yet still have them be human. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are faces and real people and weight to events as they happen, and that I get to see Perez after I don't know, thirty years of being in the business that he's still out there. Got to shake his hand at the con. Nice. Didn't, didn't didn't have time to get anything done because mm. the line went as you can imagine yeah everywhere but just a genuinely nice fellow and i met him once years and years ago in an old new york comedy st- doing titans with marv wolfman uh still the same fellow mm-hmm. and still a great artist mm-hmm. and it's funny too because um not too long ago i read the uh, the judas contract you know the wolfman and perez sure. uh when the big runs on teen titans and uh it's interesting because his work there is obviously beautiful, and so, as it is in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, and then you look at his work in World's Finest, and it's still definitely George Perez, but he's definitely uh, like mo- like updated or adapted his style mm-hmm. to you know to, to to be I guess more modern in a way. I guess I don't know if that's the right word for it. Well, he's but- a little opener now, if that's the, the mm-hmm. word to use. Where he was. Very, very, not that he isn't detailed now, believe me, but he was even more so when you you saw those crisis issues Mm. and there'd be a a half page panel with 47 superheroes and he drew every widget on every cape, on every outfit, on every boot, Mm -hmm. on and and every brick of rubble on the ground. And amazing detail, but he is, he's opened some of that up, but Mm -hmm. the detail's still there. Oh yeah. Just maybe a little shorthand. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think it's still is gorgeous stuff. It's just interesting to see that that difference, you know. Um, but that's that's a that's yeah. a great a great pick, uh, Steve. Your number two. My number two pick is no surprise. Fiona Staples mm-hmm. is my number two. Um, I first saw her work. For you talking about artists that kind of change their styles up. I mean, we first discovered her when she did uh, with Andrew Foley, Done to Death, mm-hmm. which, again, if you haven't read it, you can pick it up in trade. It's only one and done. It is funny. Uh, she had much like a um, almost like a 60s fashion, um, like fashion design school kind of look to that book. Um, it was very sketchy. It was very um, dark and angled and stylistic. And then um, she came onto the scene with Brian K. Vaughn for Saga. Um, Saga has been, has continued to be just such a wonderful, wonderful read. And a lot of that, um, Stephanie talked a lot about that in the beginning when it first came out, that even though the writing is fantastic, it's really Fiona's art that drives me towards the book and every time that one of them comes out i'm just in awe of all the different creatures that she's created the different species the different aliens and it just it really reminded me of kind of like a star wars of the comic industry that saga has the potential to create its own universe 
much like Star Wars has so many different characters and things going on in it, um, I could definitely see that developing into something. And probably not my not my favorite cover of the year, but most certainly my favorite variant cover of the year. Um, I fell in love with it. We Bobby and I were uh, fortunate enough. He was actually fortunate enough to get uh, one signed for me. But Fiona did this uh, Josie and the Pussycats variant cover. That's kind of like a, a send off to Joan Jett and just mm-hmm. all the the old you know punk rocker female rockers. And I can't even, it's hanging in my living room. It's signed by her. I can't even describe it. But out of all the stuff that I brought home from the con, even the original art that she gave me, like it's still my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I There's something about it that it calls to me. I love it. It's got a lot of like raw power to it. Almost like, like an Iggy Pop kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just something so personal about her work and something so beautiful about her style and the way that she presents her stuff that I, from the get-go, from from reading Done to Death, I just absolutely fell in love with her and I would seriously, I would follow her anywhere. Uh, I think she's really talented and she's only getting started. Yeah, it was funny. When we talked to Andrew way back then, it was like, you know, it was so early in the- He was our first guest. He was our first guest ever. Um, He talked about her and he said, she's going to blow up. He's like, it's not doing long now. She's going to be huge. And he was absolutely right. Um, Yeah, her stuff is gorgeous. And she's an incredibly nice person. Uh, And it was just pure dumb luck that I ended up getting that that print signed. Because I was literally walking back from an appointment, an interview, and she just sat down at the table and there was no line yet. And I was like, hey can you sign these? <laughs> She's like, sure. And then, you know, it was, it was, it was great. That's the same thing that happened to me when I got the, uh, the saga print that she sat down mm. and I completely, like I was so discombobulated during mm. Comic-Con Yeah, that had she not sat down at that moment, I might've forgotten to even meet with her. Mm. And she sat down and I was like, I looked and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Get in line. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, Stephanie, uh, my number two artist yes. is Phil Noto. Um, and I chose him because of his amazing range to do interiors and covers. Um, and I mean, how can you not love his art? Yeah. <laughs> uh, loving what, what Ghost is, is on about with, with his art. It's perfect. It's a perfect fit. I agree. He, Somebody's like, she's like, love I, it or you? I hate another artist doing it. He just makes everything that he does his own, and um, I think that's absolutely vital in this industry. Um, his work is so so distinguishable. You look at a page, and you can instantly tell his art apart from anyone else. No one else draws like Phil Noto. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's one of the most. Um, I mean, it's probably the most incredible thing about his work. It's beautiful, and I don't think that anyone could even compare um, his work to his. He, I mean, he basically does sketches for his interiors, and there's not really that inking feel to him. It kind of looks like pencils with colors, and he makes it work. He makes this messy kind of... Not sloppy, but, I mean, he just makes this, his messy line art into gorgeous line art. So, I mean, that's a really rare quality in um, an interior artist for comics or an artist in general. So, yeah. Excellent. All right. Phil Nono. Um, so, my number two is, uh, it's going to seem like, uh, you know, 
that I'm just kissing his ass. But uh, number two is uh, Mike Allred. Duh, Bobby. Who <laughs> yeah. was gonna we were gonna interview on Friday? But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's happened very quickly, and it's kind of happened out of nowhere to me, like not really realizing it. But um, I, I am so excited about FF, and we talked about it earlier. But I'm so excited about being able to get that book every month and having his work every month. Um, and and you know, I'm even more excited to go back now and read Madman and read X Force or Ecstatics or you know I Zombie you know all all that stuff uh, and just dig into it because there's something about the way that he draws that just I respond to you you know on just about every level. Have you been reading It Girl? I have not. No. Oh, you're really gonna like it, yeah. girl. Um, you know, and so I just he we talk about this his style is completely different i don't want to repeat the stuff that we said you know earlier about ff but i could i could read books with his art every day and not get bored of it and that's just the way i feel so well it's a great retro style but Mm. it doesn't appear dated because it's just the way he does it is now told in a new way Mm -hmm. yeah it isn't the old you know there's some i I was there's an old uh, marvel artist named dick ayers who drew in the same sort of style, but it was he drew it then. It was 50 years mm-hmm. ago, but it would have been the old six-panel grid. Right. That already is, is playing with the panel settings. People are falling across the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. So he's my number two. Uh, Bob? Uh, my number one, um, the only thing is, sadly, he doesn't work for the majors anymore by his own choice. He's also a writer. It's John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been at the top of this list basically since probably Jack Kirby stopped working. <laughs> Byrne is the quintessential superhero artist in that he gets to the core of the character, finds what works, understands, and it, since he's writing it, it, it all plays out that way. His art has changed over the years. He's talking about somebody who's uh, c- certainly evolved. He talks on his own site about he can't even look at his own work, and you look at those old X-Men books, he says, well, why wouldn't you want this? He says, I don't do that anymore. My line was terrible. I use different tools now. I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. Uh, in just this last year, we, you saw him do Star Trek books, Cold War spy novels. Trio. Trio. Mm-hmm. Next Men, which he continued now after 20 years out. Uh, another trio coming next year. Another Cold War next year. Uh, I could watch, I, I'd buy anything Byrne put his pencil to at this point, even after all these years. So John Byrne's my number one. Awesome. Awesome. Very awesome. Number one, Steve. My number one. Steve and mine are the same. I feel like all three of ours are the same. (laughs) Um, Drum roll, please. (laughs) J.H. Williams III is my number one. Yep, me too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember opening the first issue of uh, Batwoman and just like almost, I almost stopped breathing. I can't remember. I wish that I had I had known what issue it was. There was this one panel where it's essentially it's Batwoman, and I think she's she's smashing through a, a glass pane or a window, and all of the shards of the of the glass are scattered across the two pages when you open it. This big, huge thing, and she's at the top of the page, smashing through, and all of the shards are the different panels to tell the story on the page. And I was just like, oh, like <laughs> that is perfect. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. The way that 
that that the Wonder Woman um, arc that's going on now with Batwoman and Wonder Woman together. That the bugs that that those two pages oh, yeah. with those with those millipedes and the centipedes crawling all over them. The darkness is taking them over. And all of the words are etched onto the backs and the stomachs and all the, the different shells of these bugs. And like we were talking about it on the show, Bobby had mentioned that it's it's one of those pages that you open it up and it's intimidating. Like yeah. just like when you open up a book and you see like a ton of text where you like, you know, you turn pages and, you know, it takes you about 45 seconds to read a page, a minute and a half. But then you come to that page where you turn it and you're just like, oh, man, like, you know, re- like adjust yourself, get comfortable <laughs> on the couch. And, you know, like you're going to be reading this page for the next like at least four minutes. Um, those two pages with all the bugs and all the words etched into them was one of the most intimidating things that I've come across mm-hmm. in comics. But then when I started to read it and I was following like the bone structure and the bodies and the way that the bugs were crawling around on the page, how easily I was able to read the the thoughts of that character that were, were taking over uh, Wonder Woman and Batwoman. I was just like, I was amazed. Mm-hmm. I was really amazed. I was really drawn in, and it's just it it never it never disappoints. I mean, I think um, Amy Reader had jumped on to to one issue, and I mean that was wonderful as well. But I mean, there's nothing quite like that team on that book. Yeah. Um, every single month that it comes out, I am just I am so psyched. Um, I've been going through my covers of the year, and I mean, I've already decided on on my number one, mm. and it's. Spoiler alert, it's going to be a Batwoman cover. <laughs> so, um, yeah, J.H. Williams III, I I would... The fact that they're, he's going to be working on uh, Sandman yeah. with Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. uh, this coming year. Yeah. What? <laughs> I am going to freak out. I will try to get my hands on every different version of that, mm. of that book when it comes yeah, out. Absolutely. Stephanie? Um, well, before I talk about why he's my number one. I just want to give some honorable mentions to a couple of artists that weren't on my list, if that's all right. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure Bob's going to do it. Nope. So, um, <laughs> I've been chasing. People who almost made my list were Fiona Staples, uh, Jay Bone, who is a guest artist in iZombie, um, Mark Buckingham, who does Fables, Peter mm. Gross, who does The Unwritten. Um, and I would really like to see um, more interiors by Stephanie Buscema. Um I believe Bob's familiar with her yes. work, but um, she's going to be doing one of the the backup story for Amazing Spider-Man 700. Oh. And I, there's previews online for it, and I'm so excited because she is wonderful. Yeah, so, but the, you know, the interior she did was, I guess, back the girl comics that Marvel's, Marvel put out many years ago. She oh, did a couple those. of little stories in those. Um, Probably. She, she doesn't... I, I'm not too familiar with I mean, I haven't seen a lot of her interiors. I'm just really familiar because I follow her art like everywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just saw that she was doing a preview for Amazing Spider-Man, or a backup brother, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, she should do more." <laughs> um, so, yeah, those people honorable mentions, yay! <laughs> and uh, back to J.H. Williams. Um, I mean, what is there not to love about his art? Um, I mean. Batwoman elegy is where I really, really, really noticed how incredible he is. But I, you just kind of have to wonder how many levels he's thinking on when he's doing these art pieces of art. Because, I mean, is it like 
gets a script and he's like, oh, this could be a double page spread. She'll be here. Her cape's going to become the panel. Um, and then there's going to be all these little subtle things and there's going to be words that come along here and oh, all these, like, these things in here that people will never see unless they read this book like 30 times. And each time they read it, they'll pick up on one more thing. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's madness. Um, I, I was talking with one, and I don't mean this in an offensive way at all. Um, I was talking with an artist or writer at one of the conventions about this. And they think on these crazy levels. And it almost kind of reminds me of um, like someone with like Asperger's. Mm-hmm. Um, just how like they're geniuses um, and they can think in ways that we can't, but I don't know. Someone compared the artists and their levels to Asperger's. And even though I don't mean it in an offensive way, it kind of was like, yeah, it kind of is like that. If that makes any sense to anyone. Yeah. But me. I mean, absolutely makes sense. I mean, you look at most people who are incredibly talented in, in one thing, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or multiple things even, but creatively or, you know, incredibly smart, there is a, they have, their brain works in a different way, you know, and I think that's absolutely, I mean, J.H. Williams thinks in a different way, at least when he's thinking about art, you know, and storytelling than we think of yeah. it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I mean, but how can you not love his art? He is probably the most innovative um, artist out there right now doing the most beautiful things with stories. And even if you don't read Batwoman, like seriously, don't read a single word of it. Pick it up anyways, because just leafing through that book is like eye porn, but like art porn. (laughs) Art porn. Yeah. Art porn. I think all porn is eye porn. Yes. Retinal boners. Like really, you know, Eye candy. That's better. Yeah, there you go. That's what I meant. There you go. <laughs> Whatever. Eye porn. Eye porn. What? <laughs> um, I mean, it's. I don't really have much more to add about him. I mean, every time I open a Batman book, I'm excited to see how like the like the titles are portrayed. You know? Yeah. Because he always does some crazy thing with hydrology. Yeah, yeah. With with how you know he presents the you know just the the credits of the book. It's it's always really interesting and that's something you don't get excited about in most books you know and the same thing with Manipal is the other thing with him too he's the same kind of thing um and it, it's gorgeous it, it, it's this piggyback stuff that Steve said it's intense and it's it's complicated but it's never confusing you know you, you never f- it, he's such a genius at storytelling you never feel lost no matter how diverse and crazy the panels are you never feel like oh where am i looking you know you never have that problem that's the thing his panels are creative and crazy but they flow like they flow more beautifully than comics that are set up in a traditional panel yeah well what's insane about his stuff is that i mean his like his his double pages especially that they're so big but what happens a lot of the times when you do like a big page like that, you'll have one or two objects that are the focal point mm-hmm. of the art. Mm-hmm. But with his, it's there's like nine, 12, yeah. 17 different points of interest that when you look at that page, you're looking all over the place and you could stop at any point in the page and that's your central point. Mm-hmm. And you work your way off of that. 
Yeah. Um, not a lot of people that I've seen have been able to do that. Yeah. And like, you can literally, Batwoman's one of the long, it takes me the longest to uh, read Batwoman just because I'm sitting there staring. I almost forget that I have to turn the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the great thing too is that, yes, he has these intensely crazy panels, but he also, when, when it's time for a dialogue scene, he lets a dialogue scene be a dialogue scene, you know, and he'll throw his 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 kind of flourishes in as he goes along. But, you know, so, scenes with Kate, you know, talking to her dad or Kate talking to her girlfriend mm-hmm. are done like dialogue scenes, you know, and it, you, you get to see that the story gets to experience itself. And then when you hit those big moments, it, it's even more mm-hmm. amazing. Now, when I first started seeing it, when you guys recommended it, what, what I'm reminded of uh, as a since I'm head of the throwback department <laughs> Uh, Jim Steranko, who in the middle 60s started working on Nick Fury mm-hmm. and became very famous very quickly. First, he was doing uh, inks over Kirby's pencils, and then they had him drawing like Kirby. And then it was, no, I, Jack's gone. I do what I do. And it was the cinematic use of panels, taking color out of the page. It all, no dialogue for four or five pages at once, exploded pages with half pinup, half something else going on down the side of the page, around mm-hmm. the side. Uh, so I, it, it's in a couple of trade paperbacks. It's the Jim Fury, uh, the Nick Fury, Jim Steranko things. He also did Cap for a, a few issues. Did a little bit of everything everywhere, and now basically d- does book covers and posters here and mm-hmm. there and sell stuff. But his couple of years there, where it was that same sort of intensity where people said, "Well, it's Steranko. You just no one's ever done this before." Mm-hmm. And it, it is sort of based mm-hmm. on Will Eisner, the guy who did The Spirit, where some of the the credits become the background or turn into the buildings or the right. fire escapes or whatever. So there is a through line from J.H. Mm-hmm. back to Steranko yeah, yeah. and then back to Eisner mm-hmm. going there. But it's now at a different level because of the printing techniques yeah. today. They just allow him to really take full expression of it. Right, absolutely. And he's proven himself to be a good writer too. I mean, you oh, know, absolutely. It, yeah. with Batwoman taking over drawing duties on that, he, you know, he has those chops as well. So it's just great. I mean, a couple of, I only have like two or three um, I don't mention them. Greg Capullo is an honorable mention for me. Obviously, artist on Batman, um, Fiona Staples, uh, Cliff Chang, and uh, Marco Cicchetto, uh, who is the artist on The Punisher. Just love. I didn't include like I, Jeff Lemire is not on here because Jeff Lemire to me it's like it's a complete package. He's yeah. you know it's like a writer director. You know it's like Wes Anderson may, might make beautiful movies, but if Wes Anderson's not writing the movie he's directing, I have a lot less interest in in reading. Right. It, you know. Um, I'm a little surprised that, um, I mean, not, su- not super surprised, but, uh, Dexter Soy didn't make anybody. My list. rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, he's, the problem is that he's done like four issues, you well, know, that was, that was yeah, my, that's that was why. my beef with adding him to the list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's great and it's beautiful, but he just hasn't done it long enough. You he know, needs to stay in the oven a little longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> need more time to cook. Um, and I, I just threw out on Twitter while we actually were having this conversation, asking people out there what some of their favorites were. And I thought I'd just uh, run over those uh, real quick. Um, uh, Smitty Jedi eighty nine says it's uh, <laughs> a great name. Yeah. Rob Gilroy and Jeff Lemire are his absolute favorites right now. Smitty. Um, uh, Grace Short says Raphael Albuquerque and Dexter Soy. Nice. Uh, Alexander Ane says the the All Reds. Amanda Connor, Darwin Cook. Uh, uh, David Aja, the 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 Riveras, and the and uh, Fiona Staples, yeah. uh, Mara Whiteside, uh, Sana Takeda, uh, Fiona Staples, J. H. Williams the third, uh, different styles but all expressive, a beautiful artwork. Um, 
Andrea or Andrea Shock. I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Um, it's, it says uh, David Aja. Um, without hesitation, we were talking about our favorite comic artist working today. Who are yours? Oh, she retweeted our thing. <laughs> I thought she brought it. I was like, why'd you repeat the question? Also a fan of Alex Maliev. Um, and David Short says, Raphael Albuquerque, Chris Samney, Sean Murphy, Fiona Staples, and David Aja. Yay. I feel, uh, Sean Murphy almost made my list as well, but I've only ever read Punk Rock Jesus that he's done, so I don't... Well, there hasn't been anybody mentioned tonight that I'm not fond of in some way or, or shape or form. We have yeah. good taste. We yeah. do. <laughs> mm, yes. We ourselves on the back a little bit. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, guys, um, anybody else who wants to talk about their favorite artists, you know, at Talking Comics or info at TalkingComicBooks.com, let us know, uh, your favorite, uh, comic book artists. Um, we're going to, and now everybody's favorite portion of the show. We're going to talk the about banter? Yeah, the banter. We already did the banter. <laughs> we could do some more. We could do some more. We're going to talk about what is on the shelves, uh, today. Once this website loads up that I read the list from. Get your yays and nays ready, Bob. I'm yeah. ready. It's, uh. Is it light week, Steve? It's never a light week, Bobby. <laughs> but like I said, I've figured something out. Okay. But we won't talk about that here. All right. So from Boom Studios, uh, we have Garfield number eight, Hypernaturals number six, Planet of the Apes Cataclysm number four. Um, Not a fuck was given. <laughs> uh, from Dark Horse, we have uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow Wonderland number two. Oh, sweet. You picked that one up. Yeah, yeah. No, one? the first one was fantastic. Uh, Colder number two. Uh, Hellboy in Hell, number one. Sweet. Uh, House of Fun, one shot. Um, and Star Wars, Purge the Tyrant's Fist, number one of <laughs> two. <laughs> oh, it just gets worse and worse. Uh, uh, from DC Comics, we have Action Comics, number 15, which includes a Fiona Staples variant cover. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Animal Man, number 15. Yay, uh, Animal Man. Batwing, number 15. Before Watchmen, uh, Comedian, number four. Before Watchmen, Minutemen, number five. Okay. I'll go with that one. Um, De- Detective Comics, number 15. Yay. Dial H, number seven. Earth mm. 2, number seven. Uh, Ferris, number 10. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I heard something. Uh, GI Combat, number seven, which is the final issue. Uh, Green Arrow, number 15. Human Bomb, number one of four. Hmm. Um, uh, Legends bought, of the Dark Knight, number three. What were you saying? I was just saying, you bought Phantom Lady? It's yeah. in that universe of the quality characters. I bought yeah. Phantom Lady, number one. I didn't make it to number okay. two. Then don't worry about Human Bomb. I didn't huh. like that book at all. Uh, Looney Tunes, number 210. Oh, my God. Phantom Stranger, number three. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 28. Smallville Season 11, number eight. Stormwatch, number 15. Swamp Thing, number 15. And World's Yay. Finest, number... Seven. Yes. Sweet. Um, from Dynamite, we have Damsels number one. Uh oh. Um, we have Steve. This got you written all over. No, it does not. Okay. <laughs> we have uh, Dark Shadows, Vampirella number five, Lone Ranger number eleven, Lone Ranger, Snake of Iron number four. Lord... <laughs> that sounds like a porno movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my Snake of Iron right here. <laughs> uh, Lord of the Jungle number ten, uh, Red Sonia number seventy two. Uh, Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World, number 31. Uh, Voltron Year One, number 6. Warlord of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 19. Oh, dynamite. You uh, never get my money. <laughs> um, IDW, we have Adventures of Augusta Wind, number 2. Yes. Uh, we have Chasing the Dead, number 2. Doctor Who, number 3. I just got that Augusta Wind joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 185. Uh, haunted... That's a fake one. What'd you say? 
Nothing. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. something about a fake, a one. fake American hero. Uh, haunted <laughs> Watch horror. it there, you Canadian person, you. <laughs> uh, haunted horror number two, Magic the Gathering: Path of Vengeance number one, um, <laughs> Pound Ghouls Night Out number four. Um, oh. We have we have a Transformers Regeneration one number eighty six. And Womanthology Space, number three. Yeah. Um, from Image Comics, we have Alpha Girl, number five. Black Acre, number one. Bloodstrike, number 33. Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker, hardcover. Uh, created, created, Creator Own Heroes? Creator Own Heroes is what I was trying to say. Number seven. Cyber Force, number two. Full free. Yep. Epic Kill, number seven. Uh, Great Pacific, number two. Guarding the Globe, number four. Um, I Love Trouble, number one. Yay. Invincible, mm-hmm. number 98. Um, Legend of Luther Strode, number one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Krishna, A Journey Within. That's um, going to be awesome. Uh, art, Luther art Strode? Uh, well, uh, Luther Strode, I know, is going to be awesome. Oh, Krishna. That Krishna, I don't know anything about story, but mm. the art is ridiculous. Awesome. Uh, Perhapanots, Danger Down Under, number two of four. That also um, sounds like a porno. Yeah. <laughs> Storm Dogs number two of six. Um, from Marvel, we have All New X Men number three. We have Amazing Spider Man number six ninety nine. Get important. ready to tweet those responses, folks. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have Avengers number one. Nice. Yes. The beginning of the Jonathan Hickman era. Um, Daredevil End of Days number three. Ooh. Uh, Deadpool number three. Ooh. Uh, Fury Max number seven. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye number five, yes. yay! Iron Man number three. Um, we have Punisher Warzone number two. Cool. Red She Hulk number sixty. Uh, Space, I'll try it again. Yeah. Uh, Space Knights number three of three. Thunderbolts number one. One Ooh. try. Um, Ultimate Comics: The Ultimates eighteen point one. Mm. Um, and X Factor number two forty eight. Yes. And X Men number thirty nine. I thought that was over. It's over soon. It's over. I think it's like January or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because the it's going away, and then Wolverine is kind of taking its place, mm-hmm. um, and that's not coming out until uh, next year. And we also have enough X books. We do. Uh, Valiant. We have Shadow Man number two, um, and from Zenoscope we have Fly Volume Two number two. Yay! Um, and Grim Fairy Tales presents Holiday Special 2012, mm-hmm. and. Wake the bleep up, number one. Uh, did you say Shadow Man before? Yeah, it's Shadow Man. Here's a little fun fact. I actually helped make a Shadow Man game back in the oh, day. Oh, really? <laughs> it was terrible. I used to work for Acclaim Entertainment, mm-hmm. and I helped make Shadow Man too. So nice. you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. If you remember, uh, Justin Jordan writing Shadow Man. Yes, yes, Justin Jordan is writing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard very good things about a lot of those Valley books. I've heard very good things about Shadow Man. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So perhaps. But not you the game. Check it out. No, not the game. <laughs> the I've never even heard of the game, so the that's game something. The game is so awful. <laughs> awful. All right, so that's what's on the shelves uh, today. Don't forget, guys, that uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we also have a, a podcast on Friday coming up, an interview with Mike Allred, and an interview that's coming out on Monday with uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick. So tune in for both of those. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, uh, info at talkingcomicbooks.com or at Talking Comics on Twitter. Also, facebook.com slash talking comics um my personal twitter is at bobby shortle steves mine is at dead underscore anchorus stephanie hello cookie and bob email 
uh, bobreyer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And if you email me, I'll send you my list of the top 20 all-time comic book artists <laughs> that I didn't get to use today. You should just write it as an article. <laughs> no. Yes. Well, that's a great article. Do it. Yeah. That's a great article. Um, and as a resident historian, you are the one who is qualified to write that article. Yeah. So you definitely should do that. Um, mm. Also, check out um, Stephanie started a new column. Yes, I ask Shenana Girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Someone sent me a question. So I answered it today and started a column called Dear Shenana Girl. And you guys so, should check it out and definitely um, write in. Thanks again to Sarah Bell for giving me the name for my Henny Mode uh, alter ego. But send in your questions about anything whatsoever. Love, uh, life, and comics. Twitter, Facebook. Um, you can email me, stephaniecook at talkingcomicbooks.com. Or um, I even set up a Tumblr for Shenana Girl. And uh, if you're familiar with Tumblr, there is an ask feature. And you can leave your questions there, uh, anonymous or, um, you know, as yourself. Sign to something and clever. And I will answer them on the site. Awesome. All right. Or rather, not me, Shenana Girl. Exactly. I obviously. I sort of be posting them on her behalf. Yeah. Much like, you know, Peter Parker builds yeah, the you guys for Spider Man. Really yeah. good friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know how to contact so, her in an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> She's like Bob, though. She doesn't really like, you know, posting stuff online. Even though Bob posts stuff on the site, mm-hmm. you know, Shenana Girl doesn't like to post things. So I'll do it for her. Gotcha. Good. She doesn't want to be traced back to the Shenana Cave or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. She's got to keep it on down low. Yeah. All right, so that is it uh, for the show uh, for this week. Um, guys, coming up soon, um, we're getting to the end of the year here. We're going to be doing our end of the year awards. Uh, so probably next week on the show, we're going to be discussing kind of what categories we're going to want to do. And then you're going to hear a bunch of shows about us debating, trying to get the categories right. down to five, and then debating who the winner is for the full site. Um, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the end, we'll probably be drunk and angry, but it will be fun. Um but also, we're going to put a ballot out. Once we decide the nominees, we'll put a ballot out online, and you guys can vote um, you know, for the audience awards and what you guys would pick for, for yeah. those winners. Um, and we're also all going to do our own top lists, right. you and, know, and personal. fans and listeners should, too, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it, I, you know, this is a great time. You know, the end of the year is a good excuse to kind of talk about all the things that you love. So uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be fun. All right. As one additional side note. I am so sorry to everybody who has applied for the contributor. We are still looking for a contributor, but like between New York and then I came back from New York Mm. and I went to Italy and all this stuff. I promise I will answer your emails. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So we are still looking for people to just hang tight. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say, um, I want to say a welcome to the site to Sean Lamont, who you might know as Avatar Loki. He's po- he's oh. wrote in before. He's posted oh. before. Um, he started writing reviews for us. He did a, he did a great uh, column about an indie comic book uh, writer as well. Right, right. So uh-huh. he's joined the site. Um, you know, he's, he's writing out. reviews and uh, he's doing a great job. So I want to say an official welcome to him uh, to the site. So for real, that is the end of the show uh, for this week. For Steve, Happy Wednesday, everybody. Bob, Ciao, and Stephanie. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>